Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, join Shelley and Tracy as they talk about their favorite books related to food. From biographies to beach reads, we've got all sorts of books that you can sink your teeth into. And who knows, maybe I'll end the episode with something new on your plate. Stay tuned. And welcome to another episode of Stacks and Stories. I am Shelly, and I am here with Tracy. Hello. And again, we're going to be doing some chatting, bantering, discussion about... Um, Do you think we'll bicker? Bicker. Bicker in a nice way. Yeah. Nice bickering. It's loving bickering or yeah. something. Bickering about books. Yes. Um, and we have a theme today. We always have a theme. Our theme today uh, is books that center around food. A lot of the books are really center around food, and one of mine just has one passage that I think about all the time. Well, then that so definitely it, it should made the be. cut. Yeah, Even it though the book make is the not cut. about food, there's just a portion about food. But if there's a passage that definitely stands out, yeah. then it should have made Oh, and the I'm going to be reading it to you. Oh, well. <laughs> then we have to You have that, that to look forward to. All right. Do you want to start that? Or you want to save that for later? Oh, that's going to be that's going to be the ending. Okay. The end. All one. right. Well, um, well, I'll I'll go with with my first one. If we have any loyal listeners, you might, <laughs> might recognize this one from uh, many moons ago. The book is called Sourdough by Robin Sloan. Do you remember this? I do remember this, but okay. I, I don't remember all the details, but there's something slightly magical about the sourdough, if I'm there recalling is. correctly. There, there, there is. Um, and it's interesting that you say this because all of my picks today, there's something slightly magical about you know, all of them. Most of mine, except for the one, um, most of mine are also magical. Oh my gosh, what if we've chosen the same ones? No, never, never happens. Hmm. Okay, so Sourdough by Robin Sloan. First of all, I have to talk about the cover. The cover is a picture of a flying loaf of sourdough bread that looks like a flying saucer. If that doesn't grab you, I don't know. Yeah, that that. sounds great. So just go out and get it right now. Um, No, (laughs) the book is... The book is about a woman um, named uh, Lois Clary, and she is a software engineer. She's super smart, and she works in San Francisco at a robotics company. She kind of has a ho-hum life. It's very organized, very, you know, very techie, and she lives, um, she lives in this house, I remember. Now, I've read this book twice which I never re I never reread. Anyway, this house is like cut up into four apartments. Mm-hmm. And in the, another apartment are these two guys that they they bake a lot and they actually run a little restaurant out of their apartment, mm-hmm. which probably isn't super legal. I, think, I don't I'm not sure that's to code. No, it's not. But um, they make really good food. And through them, through a lot of plot points, she learns about making sourdough. And she gets a sourdough starter from them. A magical sourdough starter. Regular old sourdough. Boo. And when it's happy, it sings. So That's the, right. <laughs> 
So the first night that she, like, you know, you, you have a starter and it sits. And so it wakes her up with, with, with its, like, happy singing. And it's not, like, normal, like, fa-la-la-la-la. It's, like, weird alien-like singing it, I mean, noises. I mean, it is singing bread. Yeah, yeah, it is singing bread. So um, she starts making sourdough, and she starts bringing it to the company that she works at. And people start falling in love with this bread. And what's interesting to me is that the people at this company, they don't really care about food a lot, but they're, they're very into their job. And so they, they drink a lot of um, shakes, and they're, they're, they're just not into, like, what they eat. They just so don't if, really care. Are they the kind of people who, if you could just eat a pellet? Yes. The, the pellet if they people? could just not yeah. have to take lunch and just shove a pellet in mm-hmm. their mouth and just go on, they I mean, would do that. to be honest, I, I love food and I love eating, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? I can't yeah. think of anything to eat. Where's, yeah. my, where's my futuristic pellet that I can just chew up and then feel full and yeah. satisfied? I can see that sometimes for myself, but I do enjoy food. Yeah, like if you're, let's say you're on a road trip. Yeah. Wouldn't it be handy? It would be handy. Have a it's little pellet? to stop. So she starts bringing the sourdough to work, and they're like, oh, my God, sourdough with this butter and blah, blah, blah. So things happen. She starts to want to sell her bread at a farmer's market, and the competition where she's at is very high so she has to audition Mm. to get a spot so she does and she doesn't get the spot she has to audition several times that's the whole thing the take I'm trying to to state here is that this book will make you just crave bread just beautiful sourdough bread and the themes in this book is like technology and food which don't always go together, but it's a marvelous book. Marvelous. It sounds... And it has a weird ending, too. It has a weird twist ending that involves a robot, actually a robotic arm. Okay. So... That's well, listen. I'm I'm sold. Okay. I'm gonna I'm going to but, seek out. But I've talked about it. I've talked about it before, and you you were not sold. Well, maybe it just took another go round. It sounds good though. Okay. Well, it I'm sounds good. Okay. All right. What do you have? I have, and it is also slightly um, magical. magical. The particular sadness of lemon cake. I've read this book. Okay. I like it. This girl named Rose can taste the emotions of the people who make the food she's eating and so when her mother bakes her a birthday cake and she bites into it and it tastes bitter and she's filled with sadness this is really where her awakening begins so she stops eating like her family's food and she eats a lot of like factory food like crackers and Mm -hmm. stuff like that that um, it's Cheez-Its, yes. Shelly loves Cheez-Its. I love them <laughs> so much. Because you can, even though you can still kind of taste a little, like, desperation, it's not it's not as overwhelming as yeah. the other. And um, there is a part where, I think when she's 12, she decides, okay, fine, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to eat my family's food. And she eats some roast beef her mother has made. And she tastes guilt, romance, and lust because her mother is having an affair. Who, who wants to think about your mother uh, and lust? Gross. That is gross. Um, so anyway, she ends up, um, she actually should get together with your bread lady um, because she does end up working at a restaurant and 
blah, blah, blah. And she uses her, her power really to, to, you know, I don't know, help people eat good food or whatever. The thing about this, this book that uh, that's, that's the good plot. There Mm -hmm. is a weird plot um, I don't remember a lot about this book, so this this all sounds like a new book to me, okay, even though so I know I read it. This is kind of a spoiler, so if you are interested in this book, you might want to stop listening for a minute. There is this other plot point uh, regarding Rose's brother, and he, I don't know how to really explain this, so I'm just going to say it. He ends up turning into a chair. Okay. He is like but- absorbed into the chair. And I think he, if I recall correctly, he will temporarily disappear and then he'll come back. And then one day he is like fully a chair and he's never coming back and he's a hundred percent a chair. Um, so I have a friend who has also read this book and periodically I will see a picture of a weird chair on Instagram and I will send it to her. (laughs) (laughs) And she knows exactly like there'll be like some, some chair that has like human-looking feet, you yeah. know, at, um, at, at the bottom of the leg. And I'm like, do you think this is the one? Do you think this is the brother? So th- No, that, I do not remember that. So uh, a different – I mean, it's a, it's like a serious book. Yeah. A different writer would make it more of a jaunty romp. Yeah. And it it is not a jaunty romp because the brother turns into a chair. Anyway, I enjoyed it a is lot. Is everyone sad that he's a chair, or is it well? Like, I don't think his parents. Well, of course, that was going to happen. No, I I don't think his parents, if I recall correctly, and I haven't read this in a long time. I just was, you know, struck by the fact that a guy turns into a chair. Um, I don't think his parents know he's a chair. Okay. I think they he he they has just he, like, disappeared, ran away, ran away, or or disappeared. Whatever. Okay, but Rose knows that her brother is a chair, Aww. and I would hope that she would keep that chair. Yeah. At her house and not, you know, give it yeah. to Goodwill or something. Yeah, I would hope she would not give um, it away. But you know what? Maybe, uh, again, I don't remember what drives him to become a chair. Those are just so, so those words are so weird together and I keep saying them. The and as if they're going to start making sense. Yeah. But no, he turns into a chair and she can taste emotions. That's, huh. that's the, <laughs> what an endorsement, eh? But yeah, it's it's really good. It's re- it's a really interesting book, and I'm forgetting like ninety percent of it. Yeah. Well, so. I I have forgotten a hundred percent of it. So, but I remember I liked it. Yeah. But I have no yeah, specifics. Yeah, the chair. I don't the chair. even remember the chair. Oh, you know what? It, sometimes things are so weird, your brain will just completely yeah. dismiss them. Like, I don't understand that. Well, Delete. it's like there's a, no room in my brain to, uh, you, you yeah. know, I can't deal Actually, with that. Actually, a lot of details of books, um, all, I, all I can retain is liked it, hated it. Pretty much for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I much. love that book. What part? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Don't know. Well, this next book I'm going to talk about, I read in college, 8 million we're and the same age, eight million so and don't nine say, years ago. Don't say it's it was too long ago. I remember a lot about it, oddly, um, and you kind of set me up. It's magical realism, mm. also. Mm-hmm. 
Like Water for Chocolate ah. by Laura Esquivel. Did you ever read it? I did. I saw the movie. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. So, it was a movie. Uh, the movie came out in the early 90s. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Chocolat. I'm oh, thinking of Chocolat that movie. Oh, is uh, a whole different. That's a Johnny so, Depp movie. Yeah. Oh, with, uh, such a good movie. Is it Juliette Binoche? Juliette Binoche. Oh, that's such yeah. a good movie. Is I it? it? I don't remember. I remember yeah. it being pretty. Well, it's about she chocolate. owns a chocolate shop, and he's like some wayward person and yes yeah it's a good movie okay okay this is not that that's not that same this book, is not but, that okay. <laughs> like water for chocolate so it is set in the um early 1900s in mexico i remember i think i remember this book so much because it was the first time i read any book like this there are recipes throughout the book, like oh, I in love every that. chapter. Yes, I love it. And that. Um, they're very long and detailed and have a lot of, you know, crazy ingredients. And you know, I don't cook, so they're all amazing to me. But it's a story about the De La Graza family. And the youngest daughter, Tita, there's a tradition that the youngest daughter, her destiny is to take care of the mother. Um, so she, she cannot marry. Her destiny is to take care of the mother until the mother dies. Mm-hmm. So That's great. I know. Yeah, you have a great future there. But she falls in love with Pedro. Tita also is like the cook. And so you see where we're going. Mm-hmm. So Tita falls in love with Pedro. And he, in turn, falls in love with her. But they cannot be together. So through her. So wait. So can you not, not just have a little romance, or you just can't well, get married? Well, this is the 1900s. Oh, okay, and got it's it. a very traditional family. Right. Okay, so I'm following. it's probably very frowned upon yeah. to be having stuff on the side, yeah, whatnot. So through her cooking, that's where she puts all her emotions. Mm. And I remember there's this one scene where. She's so sad, and she cries all these tears. And when she presents the meal to the family, and it shows this in the movie very well, everyone just starts breaking down crying because they can feel her sadness. They don't know why they're crying, Mm -hmm. but they know that they just feel so sad. Um, Now, I'm not saying that Tita doesn't have a little fun with Pedro. Okay. Because good. she does. I remember this movie having a little, you know, there little spice she to does it. and then she does cook and make oh, something. And I bet that meal everyone is Everyone that eats that gets very passionate and hot. Um yeah. like physically sweaty. Mm-hmm. Um that's a good scene also in the book and the movie. Um and Interesting and thing. I'm not. I'm not giving away any spoilers. Pedro marries Tita's sister just to be closer to Tita. What torture! That can yeah. you imagine? No. This is a beautiful book. It's a. It's a very short book. I just loved it. I've only read it the once, and I've seen the movie once. Then that was back in the '90s, and I've never gone back. But. It's beautiful. And I just remember the tears and the passion and the recipes. You know, the recipes reminded me, and this wasn't on my original list, but I'm deviating. One of my absolute favorites, which I can't believe I forgot, also a movie, is Heartburn by Nora Ephron. 
Oh my God. One of my absolute favorites as well. Uh, it is it is an awesome book uh, and it is an awesome movie. Great and book. I do not great get tired of revisiting. And it has recipes. Does. Um so if you haven't read this or seen the movie, you know And the movie has such a great soundtrack too. Carly Simon. It's, yeah, it's Carly Simon all the time. Oh um, my gosh, it's so good. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yep. Oh, I've seen the movie so many times. So I let me think. I read something about Jack Nicholson was not originally cast as Mark in the movie. Was? It was Mandy Patinkin. Oh, really? And here's... I, could I see him being an evil Mark? Well, here's a, here, you know, it's based upon Nora Ephron was married to Carl Bernstein uh-huh. of the Washington Post. And all of this is true. All of this stuff. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Did not know that. So they originally cast... A Jewish okay. person yeah. to be the the yeah. Jewish man in the in the story, and I can't remember all the details. And I would have looked them up had I rem- had have I you planned had I known, on talking yeah. about it. Yes. But um, Carl Bernstein actually had some of the rights to the story, and some of the some of the rights he didn't have. Like he did have it in for the book, but not for the movie um, because she had to get his permission to mm. uh, you know. So when I think he objected to Jack Nicholson because he was like, well, clearly I'm going to be a villain, you know, if it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and Jack is so good in that movie. Oh, he is. But gosh. the thing I read about Mandy Patinkin, um, and, you know, he's he's a Broadway, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of guy. You know that scene where they're, where she first finds out she's pregnant and they're singing songs that have yeah, baby they, they, in the they title. They come home from the party, and they're sitting in their house that's being renovated. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They think and of all the name, all the songs with baby in it. Right. And there's a part where uh, Jack Nicholson busts in. He sings a song from Carousel called Soliloquy, which is one of my favorite things because I am a musical theater nerd. The song is My Boy Bill. That uh, oh, yeah, he okay. does sing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Jack Nicholson can't really sing, no, right? No, he cannot. But Mandy Patinkin can. And that song is actually like 11 minutes long. And so while they were uh, filming or rehearsing or whatever, Mandy Patinkin busts in. And he's like, my boy, Bill. Da, da. And he sings the entire 11 minute thing. And they were like, uh-uh, nope, too much, bye. That was why because they got someone else. over the top. They just couldn't. Yeah, they were just like, calm down, my friend. That is, that is, you, that take is. Take it down a take few Take it notches. down like 12 notches. <laughs> But it's all, oh it, the, the book also is interspersed with recipes because mm-hmm. um, Rachel Samstack. She's a food writer. She's a food writer. Yeah. yeah. So you get those recipes. And if you've seen the movie, the, the end with the key lime pie oh, is man, classic. The best yes. scene ever. Love it. Love it. Love yes. it. I'm so glad you brought that I up. I am too. I'm glad you reminded me with um, like water for chocolate. I'm going to quickly tell you about this book I read last week, and I read it in about four hours. You know I love a little book. I I love a book I can put in my purse and not kill my arm. Just, you know, I love a little tiny book. And this one's called Love and Saffron, a novel of friendship, food, and love by Kim Fay. It just came out. I've never heard of it. Okay, Mm -hmm. so this book is not going to um, revolutionize your life um, necessarily, but it is extremely sweet and I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not generally someone who's like, oh, that's so sweet. And uh, I'm not a... You know, that, You're not a sappy I'm person. I'm not just a, like a sappy lady. Yeah. 
But it's an epistolary uh, story, which I I can't resist. Some people write I letters have to be back and forth. In a certain mood. I love it. I absolutely love it. And email is not the same. I don't like a book that has email in it. I, I like real letters, and I like the people who put where they are. You know, like uh, June twenty first, nineteen fifty one. Somerset, England, or whatever, wherever they happen to be. So this woman named Joan is a food writer at a newspaper, and um, she writes a fan letter to this woman named Imogene, who has this column in a in a magazine. Imogene and her husband like live in a cabin in the woods, and it's like you know, letter from the woods, and she talks about letter from the woods. Well, I don't know, like going eating clams and stuff. I don't know. And she in, includes in it a little packet of saffron, which was really, it's, it's actually really expensive. But anyway, she, uh, she includes it and with a recipe for something or another. Imogene's never seen this. She's never actually seen garlic before. Gar- this, is, this is 1957 or 1960, okay. something like that. All right. um, it was like a new exotic food. Like a clove of garlic? Right. Okay. Like you just didn't cook with garlic. It wasn't okay. a thing. So um, Joan introduces Imogene to new ingredients, and um, Joan will tell her, oh, yeah, I have this friend named whatever, and we went to the market, and I got all these things, and here's my recipe for carne asada. Mm -hmm. And then Imogene will try it. And so then she makes new food friends, and Joan makes new food friends. And um, But the part that's actually, like, one of the parts that's really sweet is that Imogene's husband... um, um, was in World War II and saw horrific things as yes. as one does. Yes. Um, and has never, ever spoken of the experience. Okay, yeah. When he is cooking, they're making mussels or something with garlic and uh-huh. um, the smell of the garlic reminds oh, him. Lots of, of smells will take you back. Yeah. yeah. But of positive things about his experience in France. Yeah. And so this allows them to become closer because he is, she's like, he's literally never said a word. And now he's like, oh, yeah, my buddies and I went to this restaurant in Paris and had these muscles and blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, time passes. Uh, they write back and forth. One of them becomes ill and dies. And then I cried. Uh, but anyway, it was very good. Well, I wrote it down. I'm going to. It's gonna, a sweet little book. I'm going to look into it because I'm in, I'm in a reading slump of sorts well you know what a little tiny book sometimes will and it goes by pretty fast because you know those letters they uh they don't take up a lot of space on Mm -hmm. the page and there's a lot of white space I like that and I like to feel like I'm making progress yes that gives me um confidence yes in my reading yes try this book yeah I will I will Okay, well, I'm going to talk about a book called Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe by Heather Weber. Hmm. Have you heard of it? I have not. All right. It's a, I like to call it a charming book. It is a sweet book. Um, It is about a young lady named Anna Kate, and she returns to her hometown of Wicklow, Alabama, Uh, Her grandmother owned a cafe called the Blackbird Cafe. Mm. And um, so she actually is returning because she's going to, you know, she's coming back to um, go to her grandmother's funeral, and then she's going to sell the cafe. But you know that's not what happens. Listen, when when the Blackbird Cafe is in the title... We're not selling the cafe. I mean, if you've seen a Hallmark movie, you know <laughs> right. this is not what's going to go down. 
And it's a small town of quirky, fun characters. Some are kind of mean, but not in a horrible way, but, you know, snarky way. What is that? um, It's not a Hallmark uh, movie, but that show Mystic River. (laughs) Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, there's only 12 people who live here. Yeah. And one of them has to be crotchety. Yeah. There always has to be a crotchety. It's like that. In fact... It reminds me of, um, it's actually not a Hallmark show, but it was a show, it was on, I, I saw it on Netflix, but it was called um, Heart of Dixie. Oh, Did yeah, you yeah. ever watch that? I didn't, I didn't, but I, I know It was set in about. Alabama, yeah. and this girl came from, like, New York City, and, you know, quirky characters, you know, crotchety doctor, anyway. She starts, like, working in the cafe while she's trying to get it together to... to you know, put it up for for sale. There's magic realism here, of course, because the cafe is known for their famous blackbird pie. Mm. Now, it's not made of birds. I don't know why. It's made of, you know, some type of special berries. But everyone's always coming in for this special blackbird pie. Why, you ask? Because when you eat the blackbird pie... That night, you get messages from your long-lost, dead loved ones. Oh, my gosh. I know. Get me some of that So pie. everyone is always like, you got the blackbird pie today? And yeah. she's like, what is up with this blackbird pie, you yeah. know? And, you know, things happen. It turns out there's, in her family, this... Um, knowingness uh this yes. this extra sense runs mm-hmm. in her family and she's never understood this in herself and she wonders why the blackbirds are hanging around all the time and following her around um it's just such a sweet book there's just a lot of talk about what what the what they make in the cafe what kind of food they make and along the way she's helping people in the in this little community even though she's not trying to but she can't help but to be you know you know just to fall in love with these people Mm -hmm. and it has a real sweet ending I just love this book you know like if if you're if you're looking for a book that's just going to make you happy you don't want to have anxiety this is a great book for you I, I am going to read it because um, the... It is on Hoopla, if you want to listen to oh, it. Oh, thanks. Uh-huh. I will. It re- That description reminds me. Have you read Sarah Addison Allen? Do you know this author? She's on my list of people to, to talk about. Oh. If, you like, if you like magical realism, I yes. have her written down. Well, she loves a I, good magic food situation. She does. I've read uh, The Sugar Queen mm-hmm. and a couple of others. Not a lot, but I've read a couple by her. So on my list... today is garden spells oh i have not read that one in this one there are two sisters one who has like skipped town a long time ago and um one has a catering business and she uses edible flowers and all of the flowers in her garden will do special things like oh my children are sassing me okay here's some cookies that'll help with that if you know some creepy man's coming on to you uh here give him this souffle um and <laughs> he will go away forever here, um, creepy man here's cre- the souffle <laughs> yes oh a new neighbor came around uh hey i get, i brought you this um i really didn't have anything else to say about it except yeah. it's a it's the magic food 
passed down for generations. There's a magic tree in the backyard that you're not supposed to eat the apples, and I don't remember why. So oh. I'll have to reread it. Well, I have one more book to talk about. Okay. If, if we have time. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, and I believe I have talked about this before. Maybe. One Italian Summer by Rebecca Surreal. It's kind of, it starts out kind of sad, but it's so good. Um, it starts out, um, there's a woman, her name's Katie, and her mom passes away. Is this a new book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I just ordered it. Okay. Probably. Probably. It just came out. Her mom, Carol, passes away. Carol is her best friend. And Carol and Katie, they had planned a trip to Italy because Carol has spent a lot of time there when she was younger. And so I'll try not to say too much because it is a new book. And I, and I want to read it because yeah. I, I read her other book, yes. In Five Years. Yes. Um, unexpectedly devastated me. Another yes. boohoo. It is. Uh, and this not, one is. With a twist at the end. This on one, one is similar. It's a heart jerker. Mm -hmm. Is that the word? No. Heart wrenching. Heart wrenching. Tear jerker. With a tear jerker. With a twist of sorts. But so um, Katie and Carol have already planned this trip. Okay. They already bought their tickets, all this jazz. So Katie decides she's going to go ahead and go, which is hard. So she gets there. And um, the first day, everything's fine. Um, she orders this amazing meal. All the meals that she has while she's there is talked about in the most amazing detail. Um, I just, it's, it's not even just the pasta. It's the, it's the tomatoes, it's the bread, it's the wine. It's oh, just so good. It's the next day, Katie sees her mother, hmm. but not her mother at the age that Katie knows her. It's her mother when she was younger, really? when her mother lived there. Interesting. And Katie gets to know her mother as a young lady, as a young person. Well... And that's where I'm going to stop. Okay, good. Because, because I'm going to check this out it today is, if Katie, our Katie, has cataloged it. it. There's actually a lot more to it, and there's twisty stuff from there. It is very good. Now, I listened to the audio version um, several months ago. I've had this um, advanced audio version, and it was read by Lauren Graham from oh, Gilmore Girls, and she did good. a really good job. I bet that's Yeah, really she was good. a very good fit for Katie. The food description is just, oh, just perfect. And the way they describe, it's very atmospheric, but I think you will love this book. It's, it's a, it's got some sad elements to it. Well, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. Good. I like a little bit of like, but it, Ultimately, time travel, but not really time travel. It's time travel, you know? yeah, in quirky yeah. way. I don't, I don't like like scientific. No, time, it's time not. Travel. No, I like no, emotional time travel. Yeah, yeah. There's no scientific. No, there's nothing scientific about this. Okay. Um. Anyway, I very much enjoyed it. So. Well, I'm gonna get the descriptions of food reminded me of my last pick, but I have an alternate pick because I, um, I cheat. Well, so, of course. Um, but if if reading about food in general is your jam. MFK Fitch Fisher is a classic uh, food writer. The book that we have is uh, The Gastronomical Me. 
and one of her other classics is called How to Cook a Wolf. And in the introduction to The Gastronomical Me, she's saying, you know, people ask, well, why don't you write about something real? Why don't you write about, write about like, war and famine if mm-hmm. you have this skill? And um, she said, well, I'm hungry. She said that the three basic needs of food, security, and love are, are so intertwined. She can't mm-hmm. just write about one of them. Um, and then as you tell the story of food, you end up telling the story about the people who are eating it, and it becomes a whole thing. Anyway, but that, it's very good, and I recommend it. But I saved this for last. This is the, the, the teaser from the beginning. This, yes, this is the passage. So several years ago, I was at the Oxford Conference for the Book in Oxford, Mississippi, and Bobby Ann Mason, um, who's a fiction writer, was on a panel. And I don't even remember what the panel was about. It could have been about food. It could have not been. Um, but Bobby Ann Mason wrote a biography of Elvis. And it's called Elvis Presley, A Life. And um, it's, it's very good. And it's not a, a traditional biography. It's a little loosey-goosey. Is this about Elvis's love of food? Well, this this portion this, is yeah, this and it actually like read. sort of describes why. Um, so because uh, Elvis grew up in poverty, uh, his father had gone to jail, and so there's like this poverty and shame element in his life. Uh, so he had this immense desire, you know, for for attention, for mm-hmm. love, and for food. And so I'm just going to read you this part. Okay. okay? Elvis loved hamburgers. When he was a child, he would walk three miles to get a cheap burger at Duty's Diner. A burger bought at the hamburger joint. The bun soaked with grease, the thin dill coins, and an onion slice, all flattened together by the fry cook spatula and then packaged in thin waxed paper, was heavenly. You unwrapped it and wolfed it steaming hot, the tart pickle and sharp onion and tangy mustard mingling and caressing the palate with contradictory flavors. Add a peach knee-high or a chocolate milkshake, more incongruous sensations, and you had bliss. With a burger, a Coca-Cola was a more typical drink. Coca-Cola, the elixir of the South, that sacred formula with the classic taste. The way it burned the throat sharply when you were really thirsty was the height of pleasure. Okay. That's a, you know, that's that hamburger. Yeah. I think about that hamburger all the time. I, that's a good hamburger. So as uh, Bobby Ann Mason was talking about this, she, she didn't read that passage, but she referred to it. And the way I read it, think about it like 10 times more dramatic. She's like, the crisp pickle, <laughs> the tangy mustard. We were like, everyone in the room was starving to death by the yeah. end. So that, that kind of tells you what kind of biography this is. Uh-huh. It's not a hard fact. It's an interpretation. He loved food, and here's a reason I'm saying why. Yeah. And, but listen, I would walk three miles. Actually, I wouldn't. Uh, but maybe I would walk three miles for a really good hamburger. She also goes on to talk about how purchased food is in a different land, mm-hmm. um, especially for, for Elvis, because um, most of the food he ate was, you know, cr- you know, his mother yeah, got mother. it from the garden or something. Um, and so a hamburger represents, it's almost like a status symbol because you bought it. You have enough yeah. money to buy a hamburger, then uh-huh. you are not in abject po- poverty. Anyway. I, I am going to look into this book. I wrote well, it down. Well, you always... can have this copy today. Really? I mean, you can, like can read it. it. Yeah. 
Well, we've mentioned several great titles. I like to, I think so. And hopefully our listeners will find something or have heard something that they can, uh, you know, that, that they that, can sink their teeth that into. That they can sink their teeth <laughs> into. <laughs> so hopefully you'll, you know, you've heard something that uh, you like and maybe you'll, you'll go find it at your local public library. Sounds like a plan. Or indie bookstore. Now I'm going to go eat some lunch. A hamburger. Uh, you know it. Chris pickle. Oh my gosh. I don't even eat pickles. But I'm, I might, based I on that. I like a pickle on a hamburger. Yeah. So. I, people do. So until next time, guys, we will see, hear you later. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Thank you for listening to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.